And I want to speak to you from the heart of David in Psalm chapter 13. And the words will be on the screen in a moment, but just to give you some context, this is at a time where David is being hunted in the mountains by King Saul. Saul's jealousy of David had, had prompted him to vow to murder David, to wipe him off the face of the planet. This is a time where he had already conquered Goliath. He had already conquered much in, in victory of, in the army in battle. He had, he'd already been attempted murder twice by Saul through a spear being thrown at him. And this moment where, again, he's, he's in hiding from Saul he flees for his life and he's in the mountains and he's he's in this lonely place he's again in this place where he's feeling broken hearted feeling down feeling in that place like it's happening again it's never ending it's always this way and he pens these words in chapter 13 and with this in mind he he speaks of a very intense desire for deliverance this desire becomes a desperation. We see four times he says the words as in verse 1, How long, how long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me maybe that's those are words that you've spoken many times how long maybe he said it in some other ways why me why always this when will things change when will there be breakthrough how long must i continue like this how long before the lord provides how long before god answers me we all have those internal voice in our head that's constantly rambling around in our mind. He says, look on me and answer, Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. My enemy will say, I have overcome him. And my foes will rejoice when I fall. But David's prayer, his heart, his cry, often begins with this lament, this broken heart in this but he comes to the place but the truth even though my feelings may be saying one thing the Lord's word his promises the truth says that I will trust in your unfailing love my heart rejoices in your salvation I will sing the Lord's praises for he has been good to me Lord we just take this moment right now to declare your praises. I pray for each and every one of us as we trust in your unfailing love, as we make the declaration, you have been good to me. Has times been tough? Yes. Have I struggled? Yes. But you've been good to me. You've been good to us, Lord. I just pray in this moment as we open up our heart, as we hear from you and hear from your word, God, I just pray that we would allow you in we reveal ourselves to you that you would be able to be like the master therapist, the surgeon, and we just worshipped about. God, that you would work our hearts, that you would mend our hearts, that God, you would work in us and show us the way to walk and to follow after you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. You may take your seats. 
Excellent. Thank you so much to the worship team. I noticed no one said, Merry Christmas. Turn to the person beside you and say, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. You've only got a few more weeks to say it. Merry Christmas. It is great sense in this place of family, of fun, of joy. It's so good to have all of you with us. Hey, isn't it? You got to sometimes enjoy the snow. You look out your window. I did anyway this morning at five o'clock. Looked at the snow. It's beautiful. Of course, it's not so beautiful when you got to drive in it when it's all slush and you're walking around and you're slipping around. But at least it uh, has that Christmas feeling. And it's exciting that we've got these next few weeks. We've got Carol's by Candlelight, as Alan has already said. And um, unfortunately, as, as I've already shared uh, for the last few weeks, is that our, we've got a Christmas Eve service in Newbridge, but as the hotel shuts down for a week once a year, and that's why we're pursuing our own permanent location, our own building, but encourage you or invite you to be there. If not, we've got our online services on the 25th Christmas morning and also on the 1st before we're back on Sunday the 8th. So we're going to be coming back with a time of prayer and fasting. So you know you can build up all the calories that you want this, this Christmas. Eat all the sweets that you want. Feast all that you can because we're going to fast at the beginning of the year. We always come together and we pray to the Lord. We come together as a congregation and as a church and put all of our dreams and desires before the Lord and ask Him, hey, 2023 is in your hands. Will it be a good year? Will it be a bad year? I don't know, but I'll trust in His unfailing love. Amen? You know, this scripture for me, as I said at the beginning, it's really a word that the Lord placed on my heart. And it's been one for me in season and it is time that, that I'm trying to work through and adopt. Sometimes, I don't know about you, but I've, especially in 2022, prayed that prayer, how long, Lord? How long? And in this season, in this time, I've been learning quite a bit about myself, learning about life, one of the things I've learned is about being vulnerable. You know that word that you're hearing everybody talk about, being vulnerable. What does it mean to be vulnerable? We as men in particular, we struggle with being vulnerable. For me, personally, I've always viewed vulnerability as weakness. Like that, that to be vulnerable, to be open, to disclose your feelings, your emotions, is almost to be weak, you know, you in my mind, it's always been you remain set and solitude and strong. Even when you're struggling, you still have to have it all together. But what I've learned in this season and this time is actually that there is strength in vulnerability. Revealing your, your weakness, revealing how, how you're doing, revealing your true self. Actually, there's so much strength in that. Not only that, but, but when you do that, especially in friendships, especially in family, it allows others, too, to be vulnerable. Have you discovered this in your own life? You know, I, I'm learning as a pastor how, how to be more real, how to be more vulnerable, how to be able to hold that tension of, of sharing what's going on, but at the same time, You've also got the trust and the faith in Jesus Christ. When my, my desire is for deliverance. My desire, my, my heart, my passion is to be free from deliverance of, of hurt, of pain, of trauma. 
feelings of shame, of guilt, of sorrow, of brokenness. For me personally, I've been in a season of grieving, of processing, working through disappointment, working through those, those feelings of journeying towards healing, towards freedom. And my desire is to be free from everything that's holding on to me and everything that's holding me back. That's my desire. That's my heart. As I'm 35 years old, being you know, in the church for 30 years since I'm five years old, I've heard so many sermons, read the word over and over again, and yet at this place, still need to be delivered. <laughs> still need to be set free. Still have so much that even though you may know the truth, you still hold on to lies. Even though you know what you should do and how you should obey and how you should follow God, you still follow yourself. Having this tension, having this journey, and my, my why, my motivation to be delivered truly is because I want to be the best husband. I want to be the best father. I want to be the best friend. I want to be the best leader that I can be. And to be honest, I've often lost myself in the pursuit of the vision or the goal or the drive or to get somewhere. And in this place, for me personally, I've often lost within the process some of myself and adopted some unhealthy principles. Some, some unhealthy principles that I've learned along the way. I don't know about you, and I'm sure you can relate. I'm sure you've got your own principles. But one, for an instance, it's, it's, it's become somewhat of an unspoken value. You know, we all have these things in our life where we, we pick up these ways that we think that we should be and we think that we should act and behave and think. And one of them is to always be in control of myself and everything in my world. Always be in control. My emotions. To be resolute. One of them is to be strong even when I feel weak. It's an unspoken value. It's a principle that is unhealthy that I've adopted. One is to be guarded even if it means closing myself off to others. I know many people struggle with trusting others. So what do we do? We hurt others before they can have the opportunity to hurt us. We cut them off before we can get to that place of being vulnerable and opening up. You know, oftentimes, I don't know about you, but life is often can feel like running from problem to problem, putting fire after fire, trauma to trauma. It can even be achievement to achievement. It, it can be moment to moment. It can be celebration to celebration. But at the same time, going through life almost emptying my soul and, and experiencing deep weariness and wondering, like, how did I end up in this place? Oftentimes not even realizing that I'm in this place half the time. My, my wife has to tell me otherwise. You know, one of those people who knows how I feel 12 months later. <laughs> I, don't know why I'm I don't know why I'm like this. And then 12 months later, okay, that's why I was like that. But we all have these ways in our life and principles and values that we adopt. And this season, for me personally, has been one of great trauma, one of great difficulty, one of great pain, and yet has been a blessed season, has been a great season, has been a season of great growth and great fruit. And I don't know about you, but that's life, isn't it? It's like 
two paths at the same time. I, I walk through trials and hardship and difficulty, and yet I've got joy. I, I've got sorrow in my heart, and yet I've got the joy of the Lord. It's the, it's the tension of the Christian walk. I believe in the promises of God and in his word, but yet in my today, I'm even struggling to handle what I have. It's like I'm walking in suffering, but at the same time, I know healing and I know freedom. It's the tension that each of us walks, the tension that each of us go through where it feels like oftentimes each day can be like I'm running from something that happened yesterday, but yet I've got hope for tomorrow when I'm walking through and suffering on my today. It's the tension of the Christian walk. It's the tension of the Christian life. Oftentimes, what happens is when we become Christians, life actually, rather than being easier, can get harder. Why? Because we know the goodness and the truth of the Lord. We know the, the promises that He has for us. We know the plans and purposes that He has for us. Yet oftentimes... The Word of God doesn't always match up with my present reality. And that's where faith comes. That's where trust comes. That's where reliance on the Lord and not ourselves. That's where dependence on God and not ourselves to deliver us comes from. To be rooted in the Word. One of the things that I've learned in recent weeks, a, a, a biblical term that, to be honest, I've heard, but I've never actually processed or practiced, is the power of lament. The power of lament. This is something that I've completely disregarded in my own Christian walk. I don't lament. To lament is this. To lament is a passionate expression of grief or sorrow. It is to pour out the pain from the depths of our heart and our soul. When's the last time you lamented? To lament is to grieve outwardly. It is to mourn. It is to cry. It is to be down. It is to be depressed. It is to process the emotions that I feel. And here we see David laments. He begins with a lament. In fact, we've got a whole book in the Bible called Lamentations. He laments and he begins with these words, How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? He's feeling forgotten. He's feeling abandoned. He's feeling alone. He's feeling lonely. He's feeling discarded. He's feeling not needed. He, he, here in this moment, he's experiencing rejection. You know that feeling that all of us have felt at one time or another? Maybe linking back to our childhood, the feeling of rejection when we weren't chosen for the team in the schoolyard. The feeling of rejection when our dad left our family. When our friend no longer was our friend. The feeling of rejection when our spouse says, I want a divorce. When our boss says, we're going to have to let you go. The, the feeling of rejection and being discarded, forgotten by our loved ones, no longer being needed by our friends, forgotten and feeling oftentimes forgotten by God. He says, how long will you hide your face from me? The face of God can represent his favor, 
his blessing. The ironic priestly blessing that we pray at the end of each of our services says, may the Lord's face shine upon you. When you feel the Lord's face shining upon you, you know his presence. You know you're walking in his presence. You feel his favor, his blessing. And here David, he suggests that, that God is almost actively hiding his face from him. The feelings of shame, of guilt, of, of the thought of, I must have done something wrong. Feeling, why is God allowing this to happen to me? And oftentimes what we do is we place this truth in the blank. I must have done something wrong. God must be angry at me. He must be disappointed with me. You know that the face that we get from our loved one that is the most horrible face that we could ever feel is when the face of disappointment. And hearing those words, I'm just disappointed in you. What, what do we want in turn? We want them to be angry with us. We want them to display the rage and expression because we, we can almost handle that better than, than feeling like you're actively hiding your face from me. I must have done something wrong. We give reasons for why we're experiencing these things without realizing the truth that God has not hid his face from you. He's not disappointed with you. He loves you unconditionally. You may have done something wrong, but his heart of forgiveness and mercy and grace is always there. It's unconditional. His mercies are new every single day. There may be times where we are, we are living in sin and the Holy Spirit convicts us and directs us back to the Lord. But God, our Father, never hides from us. Verse 2 says, How long must I wrestle with my thoughts? Saul is in pursuit of David. He's out to murder him. Can you imagine the stress? The fear, the worry, the anxiety, the, the what if? What if? This happens, powerless to his thoughts, not in control of his mind, constantly thinking thoughts, routling through his brain, just as each of us have, tiring ourselves out by just constantly thinking, thinking inside of our head. He says, and day after day, have sorrow in my heart. David has been anointed as the next king of Israel. As a young teenage boy, you know, having that, that, mantle placed on your shoulders and then he goes to from that place to actually conquering giant uh, Goliath to all of a sudden being heralded as this victorious one then he goes from that place from this high place from this mountaintop experience to the current king out to murder you and destroy you and wipe you off the face of the planet you ever have those feelings you go from the mountaintop to the valley like that in a moment you can have this moment where you're celebrating within your family, within your work, within, within your friendships, within your life, and then all of a sudden it's like the rug is pulled out from underneath you. You're dealing with that sorrow, experiencing pain, betrayal, loss of what was, the disappointment of what could have been. You're in that place experiencing maybe being depressed, Maybe depleted of any motivation to actually just enjoy your life. You know, you ever have that feeling where you're just so sorrowful, you're almost stuck in a rut. You're just so deep in sorrow, you, you're just stuttering through life. And some other people say, you know what you need to do? You just need to talk or you just need to exercise or you just need to sleep better, eat better. 
but you just have no motivation whatsoever. You just feel like, I can't even get through the day. Experiencing that weight, that burden, almost like that sinking feeling, having sorrow in your heart. For myself personally, I've experienced this just, just recently. After, as I said, going through a process of grieving just about four to six weeks ago, woke up on Monday morning with a complete darkness. Just darkness. For six days straight from Monday morning right through the Sunday morning. Just a darkness, a heaviness. Where I was literally saying to Jillian, I don't know what's wrong with me. I feel like something's wrong with me. What I discovered in going through and asking a question, what's wrong with me? I discovered this. That rather than continuing to numb myself, I was allowing myself to feel. I was allowing myself to acknowledge the sorrow in my heart. You know, often in life we just continuously numb ourselves. Afraid of, well, if I allow myself to feel, what if I fall apart? If I allow myself to go there, have I got the strength to get through it? And the Lord, he wants to deal with the sorrow in our heart. He wants to deal with the trauma that we've gone through. Why? Because his desire for you is for deliverance. It's for freedom. It's to be set free. His desire for you is to experience the promises of God. His desire for you is to become the child of God that he sees you as. His son, his daughter, his precious one. So you've got to go through the sorrow in your heart. You've got to be able to walk through that difficult time. You've got to allow yourself. This is what we're really bad as Christians. Allow ourselves to be able to say, this sucks. This sucks. This shouldn't have happened. Shouldn't have happened. It sucks that I had to go through this. This shouldn't have happened to me. It's not fair. I didn't do anything wrong. Why, God, would you allow this to happen? We need to allow ourselves to be able to come to this place but not stay in this place. And David, he, he, the power of lament, the power of the outward grieving, the power of mourning is this, that I can bring it to the Lord. That I can allow it outside of the depths of my heart and allow God into the secret place. Allow him into the private place so that he can do his work. So that he can bring healing. So I can allow all of the shame, all of the guilt, all of the sorrow, place it at his feet and say, Lord, I need your help in this. I need you to help me with this. Have you acknowledged the sorrow in your heart? How long? He continues, will my enemy triumph over me? This can be our human enemy and our spiritual enemy. The human enemy that we can put a face to that belittles us and breaks us down and betrays us and gossips and revels in our sorrow, but also the enemy of our heart, the enemy of our soul. The one who constantly reminds us of the lies, to steal, to kill, to destroy. And David here, he's walking through, he's, he's got his human enemy Saul who's out to kill him, who's out to destroy him. But at the same time, the enemy of his soul reminding him of how bad things are. But then his attitude changes in verse 3. And imagine him coming to a place where he almost shouts this out. He says, look on me and answer. 
Lord, my God. His, his dependence on God for deliverance leads him to a place of desperation. He becomes desperate for God. He becomes desperate for his deliverance. And I'm reminded of the bleeding woman of, for 12 years. Gets to the place of desperation. She, she turns up in the crowd. She turns up in the place that she's got to push through to touch the hem of the robe of Jesus. Because she's so desperate for healing. She's so desperate for deliverance. She's so desperate for freedom that she risks humiliation. She risks that place of that she could fail, but yet she pushes through to pursue Jesus. Have you got your, that, to that place of desperation? Have you got to that place where you're so desperate? Maybe as you get ready to enter into 2023, you're like, I am so desperate for Jesus to change things, I'm not going to enter into 2023 with this baggage. I'm not going to enter into 2023 with this bitterness, with this unforgiveness. I need Jesus to change things. Therefore, I'm going to pursue him. I'm going to push through. I am so desperate for deliverance. Have you, have you been searching for God in a timid and a quiet place? Have you been... Maybe your desire has been one if, well, if he changes things, it'd be nice. But if not, well, I'll continue on. No wonder we don't experience true change, true deliverance. Are you desperate for deliverance? Are you desperate for freedom? Are you desperate for Jesus to change you from the inside out? And are you willing for him to change you? Are you willing for him to touch the innermost part of your heart? Are, are you willing, rather than continuing the facade of everything's good in the name of Jesus, by glory in God, to go, no, I need him to touch my heart. I need him to change me. I'm willing to let some things go, and I'm willing to walk through the difficult process of healing. This is what I just felt in my spirit in preparation, that the fact that you're here shows that you're willing. That even though you may pit yourself against times that you were or other people that are, maybe convincing yourself, I haven't got the faith. I'm not as the Christian I once was. I'm, I, haven't got, I haven't got the belief and you're filled with doubt. But I just want to encourage you that the fibers of your faith are deeply rooted in Jesus. If you just continue to have faith, if you just continue to believe, if you just continue to hold on and walk through the difficult path, going through and dealing with the sorrow in your heart, you will experience deliverance. You will experience freedom. For Jesus said it is for freedom that you have been set free. It is for true deliverance. The Lord wants to work in your heart and to see you whole, to see you healed. And to see you set free. He says, give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. And my enemy will say, I've overcome him. And my foes will rejoice when I fall. But in spite of his doubt, David continues to trust. In verse 5, he says, but even though it doesn't look like this deliverance will take place. Even though I feel rejected 
Even though I feel forgotten. Even though I feel discarded. Even though I feel like my enemy has overcome me. Even though my feelings are still there, I trust in your unfailing love. I choose to trust him through the pain, through the self-doubt, through the shame, through the guilt, through the adversity, through the feelings of hopelessness and brokenness. I will trust that his love will never fail me. I will trust that he will be good to me all the days of my life. Though we may feel forgotten, though we may have deep sorrow in my heart, though I may feel my enemy has triumphed over me, I believe that God's love never fails. He says, my heart rejoices in your salvation. He, he wrote Psalm chapter 13 in Hebrew. Ancient Hebrew and the word used for salvation in the Hebrew was the word Yeshua. Which means my Savior. In fact, it's the exact word that the name Jesus is derived from. He is Yeshua. He is my salvation. I will, I will rejoice not in my situation, but in my salvation. I will rejoice not in my feelings, but in the faith that I have in who? In Jesus Christ. Verse 6 says, I will sing the Lord's praise, for he has been good to me. It's one of my favorite scriptures. You want to learn theology and have a principle, not an unhealthy principle. I always need to be in control. I always need to have things said. I always need to be strong. I will sing the Lord's praises for he has been good to me. I will because you have. The message translation says, I'm celebrating your rescue. Here's what is important. I will because you have and you have. You've already done it. He says, I will sing the Lord's praises because he has and he already has. He's already done it. I'm already living in the place of deliverance because he's already done it. He says, it is finished. He's brought it to completion. He's already accomplished it. He's already, he is our savior. He doesn't need to become our savior because he already is. I need to start walking in the freedom that Jesus has already brought into my life. I will sing the Lord's praises. I will allow myself to come into the place where I will praise God for what he's already done. Even before I've seen it come to pass. That's what true faith is. I will not allow my faith to be determined by what others say, what might be, what could be, what even will be. But I believe he already has done it. He's already done it. No matter what 23 is going to hold. It may be a time of economic depression. It may be a time of greater sickness. It may be a time of greater disease. It may be a time of greater loss, greater pain, greater tragedy, greater trauma. But I will sing the Lord's praises for he has been good to me. He has been good to me. How about in your own life? Have you got the desire for deliverance? Are you desperate for the Lord's touch? Or are you just okay with the way things are? Maybe God wants to bring you out of your comfort zone so that you can place 
your dependence on him. Because maybe your sufficiency is being in yourself rather than your sufficiency being in Christ. I know for me personally, that's the journey I've been on. Michelle was doing a good job until God messed things up. But that's what he does. He brings you and walks you through the fire so that he can purify your heart. He brings you and walks you through the storm so you can learn how to stand in the waters. How about you? Where is your desire? What is your desire for this year to come? Is it in things? Is it, is it in a circumstance? Is it in a place? Or is it in Jesus Christ? Are you desperate? Maybe you're not at that place of desperation. Are you willing for the Lord to bring you to that place of desperation? Bring you to that place of vulnerability? Bring you to that place of weakness? And in that void, in that space between your ability and what you're facing, that's where true deliverance happens. That's where freedom has. For when you let go and you surrender, Jesus takes hold. Why don't you just close your eyes with me right now. It's going to invite the worship team to come back. Here's a question I wrote down on my notes that I want to ask you this morning. Are you willing to let him in to the secret place? To the hiding place? To allow him to heal you. Now that's a difficult question to answer. Are you willing to allow him into the depths of your soul? And, and maybe it's to begin a process. Maybe it's to start to allow, to begin to let go, to no longer take control, but just to trust in Jesus. Trust in his unfailing love, his unconditional love, his everlasting love. And if you're willing, would you pray this prayer with me? And just say, Jesus, I give you my life. I give you my heart. I give you my soul. I give you my mind. I give you my strength. Will you do a work in me? In the depths of my soul. I surrender to you. I give you everything in Jesus' name.